Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, and today's topic is Wars and Rumors of Wars. World War III is not about the Ukraine. While I get the pandemic sweeping the globe today regarding the Russian-Ukraine war, there is a deeper movement of God at hand. All biblical wars throughout history claim the lives of innocent people. From citizens minding their own business to the soldiers required to fight for their leaders. All those who die tend to be a waste of humanity. As I have studied wars fought for dictators through the ages, one thing is certain. The citizens of those countries didn't ask for another war. Ironically, recently I had a dream. Shortly after drifting off into La La Land, I found myself pinned to the ground with an enemy holding a gun to my head. He said he was defending his motherland. I replied, why waste a bullet on me when our countries will be friends? within a few short years. You have a family, I have a family. You love your country, I love my country. Save your bullet for someone who is attempting to kill you. With that, he put his gun down and I woke up. I most likely had this dream without question due to the events unfolding in the daily news. Every time I read a story or watch a video on the suffering of the innocent Ukrainians, I not only weep, but I ask God, is all this really necessary? Without much of a surprise, he answers, yes. From Genesis 14:2 to Revelation 28, there are 219 references to war. Some of them are declared by depraved men. Others result from God sending his people into battle. And a more interesting fact, all of them are used by God to protect the mother country, Israel. Even in the case of the greatest war of all times, the Battle of Armageddon. Still the same, from Genesis to the last day of humanity, Millions of innocent lives were, are, sacrificed to protect dirt. While we look at World War I as the first world war, biblically speaking, it's not. The first war was in the heavenlies between God and Lucifer. Was it over the issue of dirt? No. But it was over the issue of who sat in the throne seat of eternity. Most Christians know how that war ended. Lucifer was stripped of his rank and put on a formless planet, made of dirt. Shortly after this event, another war broke out between God and Satan. The battle to win the souls of Adam and Eve. I agree. While it appeared that Satan won this round, God used it in a mighty way. Soon the first battle over dirt developed, that of Cain and Abel. 
Again, it appeared Satan was winning through Cain. He successfully killed Abel. For only reasons God knows, God didn't remove Cain from the face of the earth. He chased him eastward. Over the next 900 years, Satan formed a culture of debauchery that dominated the world as they saw it. So much so, by the end of this temporary satanic victory, one man and his family remained righteous. Noah. For the first time in human history, we see God fight back. He flooded the planet, killed the servants of Satan, and saved the world by saving one man's life. Since spirit, beings are not affected by water, while humanity was swept away, Satan and his demonic forces eagerly waited for the receding of the flood. Sure enough, Satan went directly to the weak link of Noah's family, Ham. Ham is cursed by Noah and sent eastward. Within a couple short generations, Ham's grandson, Nimrod, got a wild hair up his nose. He built a tower, Tower of Babel, rising to the heavens to curse God. Again, God comes out fighting. God put multiple languages in the rebels' mouths and scattered them. Nimrod went on to establish the first 15 cities of the earth, which became nations that ultimately formed Babylon, the greatest empire of global control to this day. Meanwhile, God was developing another nation that derived from the blessing Noah gave Shem and his brother, Israel. While there are recorded wars between the 15 cities or nations, King Nebuchadnezzar was the first leader to conquer all nations represented on the earth, including Israel. Thus, we have the book of Daniel explaining the dream God inflicted on Nebuchadnezzar. The dream consisted of a statue representing all the empires from Nebuchadnezzar's day up to the up-and-coming Antichrist. All were imploded from wars allowed by God. Once this mission is done, God replaces humanity's empires with the kingdom of God, led, of course, by the King of Kings, Jesus. A special note, God didn't get Nebuchadnezzar's attention until he put Nebuchadnezzar on his hands and knees, downgrading him to a beast for seven long years. This resulted in the king giving his life to the God of the Hebrew people. Now, the seven years is the Old Testament illustration of the seven-year tribulation of the Antichrist. However, Satan doesn't give his life to God, but he does acknowledge that Jesus is the King of Kings, as well as being God. The simple fact is God uses the modalities of war to accomplish two objectives. First, to build the mother country of Israel. Secondly, to protect her. 
In this, God is classically accused of being ruthless and harsh. The sad part is he allows innocent lives to be taken from the chessboard called earth to accomplish his mission. Why is God so obsessed with protecting one race, the Hebrew people? It is simple. Actually, the answer has started more wars than we can count. Unless you're either grafted into the bloodline of the Jews, born again salvation, or you are a Messianic Jew, you are not considered a part of God's saving grace or a part of the motherland Israel. From creation to the last verse in Revelation's book, we must understand that everything is about Israel and God's chosen people. Thus, every war is about Israel, resulting in the red thread that weaves itself through every war and rumor of wars. Ezekiel 38, 15 through 16 pretty much lays it out clearly. It says, You will come from your place out of the remote parts of the north, which would be Russia. You and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great assembly, and a mighty army. And you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It shall come about in the last days that I will bring you against my land, so that the nations may know me when I am sacrificed through you before their eyes, O Gog. Always keep in mind when you read Gog in the scriptures, it means Rosh. Rosh is the organic name for Russia. There are two primary points I'd like to extract from this passage. One, I will bring you against my land. The second, so that the nations may know me. Knowing that God brings the north down upon Israel, his people, is significant. Meaning, God will instigate this world war. We find in biblical history God instigating wars for the purposes beyond human understanding. Furthermore, the reason for his provoked wars is for all nations to know who he is. I don't know about you, but this answers my questions about wars and rumors of wars. When I study the prophecies, it appears that God is picking a fight with his greatest enemy, Satan. He sets the stage like a chess game, constantly setting up world events to checkmate Satan in the final move of closing down the game through the king being that primary piece on the chessboard. Furthermore, each piece has a prophetic role. For example, the king piece, Jesus Christ, the queen, the bride of Christ, the rook, the holy fortress of God, the bishop, spiritual leaders of the church, knight, warriors, and then of course pawns, innocent citizens. The opponent also has representative pieces, on their side, the king is the Antichrist, the queen is Revelation's whore, the rook 
earthly nations, bishop, global religious leader, the knight, demons and hateful warriors, and of course the pawns, innocent and naive citizens. The king is the most important piece in the game. However, it is also the weakest one. The king can move only one square in any direction, whether it is forward, backward, or sideways. The king also has a special and unique move known as the castling move. The king can never move into a position that is dangerous for him. The game is lost if you lose your king. Through this illustration, we discover why the two kings, Satan and Jesus, remain quiet until the big move is readied to play. In the meantime, all the other pieces do their thing, setting the final move of checkmate. Of course, in the real-life game of global affairs, these are wars and rumors of wars. As chess players know, the queen is the most powerful piece in chess. The queen can move any number of squares along the rank, file, and board diagonal. However, she is not allowed to leap over any other piece. She can attack from any manner she moves. However, like every other piece on the board, she is out of the game if she is captured. I liken this to the queen on both sides being either the great whore of religions or the bride of Christ. All power and authority have been given to indwelt Christians to represent the king. However, when our work is done, we need to step aside or be raptured and let the king of kings end the game. Satan's deception forced upon the bride of Christ is to dupe her into believing she has no power against global religions. Honestly, our culture proves this deception to be successful. I can assure you that Jesus keeps his strategy in mind from the beginning of the game to the end. When the player forgets their overall strategy, the other king will take the advantage and normally win the game. Christians, or the queen, need to stop freaking out over global events. Each needs to embrace the importance of wars. While we may not understand the overall strategies of prophecy, we need to let go and let God, through Christ, do his job. Christians who fight against wars built on sovereignty are not any different than the Antichrist workers who claim peace, peace, but there is no peace. The best thing we can do is pray for the innocent victims of war. Pray that each come to know the God of eternity through Christ Jesus. Pray for the comfort of authentic Christians trapped in the snare of war. Pray that the unbelievers would come to Jesus through indwelling salvation, through their suffering. What is fought in prayer is won on the battlefield. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that 
you become a consistent listener of our podcast. Until next time.